0: Welcome to the Change Lives, Changing Lives podcast, a ministry of Locust Hill Baptist Church in Travelers Rest, South Carolina. My name is Michael Hodge, Senior Pastor at Locust Hill. At Locust Hill, we celebrate the change that God alone could bring in our lives, And we also recognize the calling to share that good news with others. Lives changed by Christ, changing lives by Christ. We welcome you to this podcast where we want to equip you to live in the reality of a life changed by Christ. Disciple making is at the core of a church's calling. And we want to take advantage of every resource we can to encourage you today. We invite you to join us for a service Sundays at ten fifteen a.m., Wednesdays, 6, 30 p.m. Our church is located at 5534 Locust Hill Road in Travelers Rest, South Carolina. Our website is locusthillchurch.org. With our privilege to welcome you to the podcast, our hope with this podcast is that it is one more tool and the many resources available to you to help you grow in your faith. We're all on the journey. We get to encourage one another through opportunities just like this. So as Dane Ortland observes in the opening of this chapter, I'm deeply grateful for the quality and the quantity of biblical resources being produced today. And so many that are anchored in the word and the orthodox teaching of the church, while there's always the temptation to move away from a faithful study of the word, migrating towards liberal theology. There has been a resurgence of great theological words, great quality of of resources available. And I think that's the heart of this book, to recapture what was written hundreds of years ago and so many influential writers of the past. Dane Ortland quotes extensively from Owen, Bunyan, Goodwin, and so many more. So we're gonna jump into chapter eight as he pulls in some of those resources. So Jason, I'll let you kick off the conversation.
1: I love how Orland just dives right in from the very start of this chapter, uh, chapter eight to the uttermost. And I mean, his first, first statement is one of the more neglected doctrines in the church today is the heavenly intercession of Christ. When we talk about Christ's intersection, we're talking about what Jesus is doing now. And, you know, we talk a lot about what, Jesus did in the past, but we'll, you know,
2: kind of asking you, do we think much about what Jesus is doing right now? You know, I think this is a very timely question for me because I was just able to see God at work in my life in the past two weeks. And I told, I got to speak to the volleyball team last night and I told them that this was probably the first time. And since I've been saved that I've been able to see God's work in the trial. Um, and the reason why is because I'm one of those headstrong people that likes to go through the trial and do things my way. And then I turn around and I look and I'm like, okay, God, I see where you were working there and see your grace and your mercy. But this time it was one of those, I don't know if it was because we read these chapters or what it was, but I just like took a pause and I was like, all right, God, I want to see your intercession right here in the midst of the trial. I want to see you at work in the midst of the trial and experience your mercy in the midst of the trial. And... Uh, just to keep things short, I'll tell you just one little story real quick. So, me and Missy's been trying to have a baby for like three years, and so she's been super defeated and beat up about it. So, have I. but we go into a doctor's appointment where we're going to get news whether or not like we should continue naturally trying to have a baby or try to use medicine, adopt, whatever. And as soon as we walk in the door, one of the little girls that we went to high school with is walking out, and she's like, "Oh, what you guys doing here?" And he was like, "Hey, we're you know here to see Doctor Locks and she was like, "Oh, Lord." She was like, last time we went and seen Dr. Locks, me and my husband were struggling having a baby. Now we got two babies. So I was like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, I see you working, guy. Oh God. And anyways, we get in the elevator, we go up the elevator, we get off and our nurse is there. And she was like, who are y'all here to see? And me and she's like, well, we usually see Dr. Fox, but we're here to see Dr. Locks. And he was like, oh, honey. She was like, you better not stay in that room too long with him because... Last time me and my husband, we were struggling having babies, and now we have five. And I was like, And so (laughs) we go in, and Misty's still a little nervous. I can see a little confidence. But then after that little procedure that she had and everything, and she got good news, like, I got to see peace and hope and encouragement in her that I haven't got to see in a long time. And I think that if I would have missed those mercies in the moment kind of thing, that um, I wouldn't appreciate it as much. So yeah, I, I do think right now that that I'm seeing God at work. Now. Wow,
1: that's so good. We're gonna see ten Beechams running around. Let's here. Let's
2: go. <laughs> that's what we want.
1: <laughs> well, Sandra, to follow that up, um, if you can follow that up. So, <laughs> um, wow. You're what right what is what does Orland say is the connection between? Christ's intercession and his heart.
3: Uh, Christ's intersection is what intercession is what he's doing in the present, True. what he's doing now. Mm-hmm. But his heart is continuous. He is from the beginning to the end.
0: Yeah, you know, I think this is a chapter where there's some difficult components to understand what it's saying here and yet it connects so much with our daily lives. And so Tracy I'll pull you in. What does it mean that Jesus intercedes for us? How does that calm and reassure believers today?
3: Um, It just means that he is continually going to God on our behalf. Um, It was interesting when you read that, that um, Dane already saw that we're probably going to think then, like does God need him to remind him, you know, of welcoming us, as as he put it. But um, just knowing that he's constantly there again telling him how much he loved us and um, just always cheering us on and um the fact that God is always so open for that. Like he doesn't have to be reminded but it's in his greatest joy is to to always do that. Um, I just think it's comforting knowing that it's almost like always having somebody there no matter how we mess up or how we think we disappoint God just knowing Jesus is always right there. Like continually
1: reminding him what we're worth. And it was just, it's a
3: good
1: thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Hebrews 7.25 is the passage of scripture that Orman uses um, for this chapter. And that verse reads specifically, Michael, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to him, excuse me, those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So, Michael, I'd love for you to reflect on the phrase, to the uttermost. What does that phrase mean, and how is it a comfort to the believer? I think it's hard
0: when there's a word like uttermost that we don't use very often in our vocabulary. So the image that that comes to my mind is a story from when our kids were little, We went to Dollywood, and you go through all of the food vendors there because they're trying to convince you to spend way more money than you can. So when we were you know, young parents, the kids just understood Dollywood was the treat. We didn't get everything else inside, but we would go through the popcorn area, and there was a guy always giving out samples, and our kids were so excited because they could get a free sample. So they'd stick out one hand, and he'd say, get you two handfuls. And they thought that was so great, great. Mm -hmm. you know, just overflowing handful sample. And that was just the image that came to my mind, to the uttermost. We think God gives us a little bit of forgiveness, a little bit of his grace, but it's a picture of get two handfuls, overflowing. And so that gives me just confidence to think that I live each and every day in that forgiveness that he saves to the uttermost Mm -hmm. abundantly, more than our minds can comprehend. And we'll touch on that more as we go through. He doesn't just say for the most part, he saves completely. And so as we live in that reality, if, you know I'll toss it to you. One way to think of Christ's intercession then is simply this Jesus is praying for you right now. How does this or how can this transform or strengthen our prayer
4: lives? Well, it kind of brought to me a story too, because you know, you think of Jesus is kind of like our big brother, I mean not really, but he's going to the Father for us. He is interceding for us and, and being our advocate for us. And and it I have I'm one of five and I have three I had three brothers and my oldest brother Joe is six and a half years older than me. And so he was always my advocate, you know. Mm-hmm. And so one time um when I was in ninth grade, I was only 14, and a senior asked me to go to the prom. Well, my dad said, no, no, you're too young. You know, that that's just not going to work. Well, Joe went to dad and said, dad, what if me and my date take them to the prom and leave them and then come back and pick them up whenever you tell me to? Well, the senior that I was going with was fine with that, you know, so that's what we did. And so Joe interceded for me so that I could go and that gave me great hope to know that I could do something but it you know I was still able to stay in the realm of what my parents wanted me to do you know kind of being very supervised and everything and that's what Jesus does for us every day you know it doesn't matter what we do he knows what we do he knows how we and our deepest innermost sin that we have that we're ashamed about he knows about that but he's going to the Father for us every day and so how can that strengthen our prayer life? is to know we've got somebody so I can go to the father with anything because I've got somebody that's gonna you know even help me along more you know that he's there for me he loves me that much that he will go to the father and, and say yes Katina did this but you know Helper, you know, let's 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 love on her, and then they do. It says even at the top of, um, or at the bottom of eighty four, and the top of um eighty five, it says, "If you are in Christ, you have an intercessor, a present day mediator, one who is happily celebrating with his Father the abundant reason for both to embrace you into their deepest heart." And, and that just, that brings you great hope and makes you want to just pray more and get closer to God. Absolutely. I think that's the,
0: the value of the resource. You know, You're pointing to the love of the Father, and this book is just helping us to understand the depth of that love, his intercession, and then as we move into the next chapter, understanding what does it mean for us to have an advocate. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So for our last session, we had Ralph with us. Amanda, you must have heard how much he stirred this group up, so you sent him to work and you've come, so Amanda's here with us, so we'll start out with chapter 9 with Amanda you sharing a quote from page 87, a closely related notion to intercession is that of advocacy, so what's the difference between these two, intercessor, advocate, how does that notion of advocacy help that of intercession?
3: So chapter 9 um, starts out by stating that an intercessor stands between two parties. An advocate doesn't simply stand in between the two parties, but steps over and joins the one party as he approaches the other. For me, advocacy do- goes a step further than intercession, since there isn't just mediation between two parties, but there is a mediator that crosses over and moves towards one of the parties to provide for them.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow talking about that providing part you know it is because of our sin that Jesus is our advocate and first John 2: 1 uh, is a key verse here scripture that says my little children I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin but if anyone does sin we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ the righteous and so Ray, uh, kind of bringing you in, what are some truths about Jesus, the advocate, as taught in that scripture verse that we just read, 1 John
5: 2.1? Well, of course, with would advocate uh, in, in his book saying it was hard to describe that per se, because, but the best way is someone who uh, appears on your behalf. And then it goes on to say the perpetuation of our sins to take away, return that wrath of God that we deserve and um, take it away. And uh, there are three questions are basically as he goes on through, who, who is this for? Who is an advocate for? And, uh, and um, he's talking about the only qualification needed is your desire. Oh. Only that's all. If you want an advocate, only need only reason you uh, only uh, thing that you need is the desire to have an advocate. When now it's not later. It's not. It's 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 right now. It's it? Uh, it, uh, it uh, that song is a on time God. Yes, he is. You know, uh, right there. Um, and it's on time now. And why? Um, because. Jesus' heart is with our heart. He's in to I think go back to the last chapter I was gonna put is Jesus' heart, our heart, God the Father's heart. And it's a bridge. Right. And and that and, and, and that bridge comes together. And that's that's those are the truths, I mean I, uh, as you as you look and uh, he he wants and desires so much uh, which is 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 super because um I don't have to look. Right.
0: You know, and the simple image from Good News Club, that heart of darkness, and the yep. only way that I'm gonna have that pure heart is through Christ, through the cross. And so we just walk very simply with kids, and yet that's the image here that He is our advocate. He's standing beside us, advocating for us. And so I love those questions there. Who, when, and why? The clarity of it. So Will, let me toss it down to you. What's the Slight difference between Christ's intercession and his ab- advocacy based on what we're told in Hebrews 7 and 1 John 2. How does John Bunyan explain this difference
2: on page 90? So <laughs> I thought about how to explain this, but I think the best way is just literally quoting Dane Ortland's response here on page 90. And it says this, intercession is something that Christ is always doing while advocacy is something that he does as occasional cause for it. Apparently, he intercedes for us, given our general sinfulness, but he advocates for us in the case of specific sins. And then Bunyan goes on to explain like this, Christ as priest goes before, and Christ as advocate comes after. Christ as priest continually intercedes, Christ as advocate in case of great transgression pleads and so we see what the personal nature of Christ' advocacy where he is interceding for us continually but in those specific areas he's our advocate
1: mm. wow that's really good and in fact the you know Dane wraps it back around at the end after after Bunyan's talk when he says note the personal nature of of Christ's advocacy. Mm. Um, and then he says, our sins feel more sinful after we become believers than before. That's right. When we we do indeed continue to sin after becoming believers, sometimes, and this is a statement that jumped off the page for me, sometimes we sin big sins. So Michael, Pastor Michael, what does <laughs> Dane Norland mean by sometimes we sin big sins?
0: I think this is the temptation always to categorize our sin and you know we begin to think that God will forgive certain sins but not others so we say well God will forgive me of my speeding ticket but he's not going (laughs) to forgive me of something that's more serious you know um, he's not going to forgive the murderer but he's okay and he'll, he'll overlook my minor offense and yet the picture here is his forgiveness is abundant. He is our advocate. And so that's the freedom that we get to walk in. And I think we see this again and again. We've talked about this throughout the book that believers aren't walking in that freedom of, of forgiveness. Yeah, but you don't know what I've done. Right. Yeah, he does know what you've done. Exactly. And his grace is sufficient to cover that mm-hmm. sin, every sin. What's required? We've got to come in repentance, turning away from our sins, brokenness, and yielding to Christ. So we do sin, as he says, big sins. And really the redemption of Christ is big enough, it's great enough to handle those sins. So as it says at the end of that section, when his brothers and sisters fail and stumble, he advocates on their behalf because it is who he is. He cannot bear to leave us alone to fend for ourselves. If he does, then we're hopeless. So, Jason, I'll toss to you then from page 92. We are indeed called to forsake our sins, and no healthy Christian would suggest otherwise. Mm -hmm. So what does Portland say happens when we choose to sin?
1: Well, I'll say when we choose to sin, obviously, we make a choice that is uh, to go against God and to go against God's plan for our life, to go against God's identity that, that we are a child of the King. I think when we choose to sin, we neglect the, the, the power of the cross. Uh, we neglect the power of the crucifixion, the price that Jesus paid um, on the cross. Uh, and ultimately, we displease our Heavenly Father. Uh, we're called to grow and mature in the Word. Right. We're called to, to be discipled and to disciple others. And when that doesn't happen, when we're not in that pursuit of holiness, um, when we don't grow, though we forsake our true identity, the beautiful thing is Jesus does not forsake us and he does not forsake um, who we are. But when we choose to sin, uh, I'm convinced that we're choosing the world over God.
0: You know, as we close out the session then, my hope is, our hope, is that this session liberates you to enjoy the freedom, forgiveness, and grace you have in Christ. Far too many believers walk around in defeat and discouragement. He is our intercessor. He is our advocate. He's standing between us and a holy God. He's standing beside us, pleading our case. We get to walk in that hope today. So I wanna say to all of you, thank you for joining us today. Let us know how we can encourage you.